You're listening to E-Commerce Marketing School presented by Privy. And a big thank you to our co-sponsors of the show, Suna and Hashtag Paid. For too long, the process of finding the right influencer for your brand has been endless, mindless, soul-crushing scrolling. And then once you find the one, they don't even move the needle. Well, Hashtag Paid is putting an end to all of that. They're the first matchmaking tool for brands and creators. With Hashtag Paid, the process is three incredibly simple steps. Build your campaign, pick from 10 creators, hit the launch button, and bask in success. Hashtag Paid is basically a dating service for brands and influencers. Instead of dinner and overpriced drinks, you'll get ROI and a partner your audience trusts. Check them out at the link in the show notes. So today I'm back with Kelsey Burdett, who runs partnerships over at Hashtag Paid. We've done a handful of episodes together on creator marketing and why everyone's talking about it, putting money behind it, and so much focus. And today I wanna go deeper on how to experiment with different creator marketing initiatives. So we're gonna cover profile types of creators, content types, even different placement types, which I'm excited about because this is still pretty new to me. So Kelsey, welcome back to the show. Excited to be here. Thanks for having me back. Yeah. Let's talk about experimentation as it relates to creator marketing. Like, obviously everyone in marketing, even I do this too. Like, we're all like, oh, you got to test what works. You got to test which emails, which flows, which pop-ups, all that. I mean, what's the right approach to experimentation when it comes to creators? Well, first and foremost, I have to say, I would love to speak with clients like you who already understand the need for testing. I don't feel like everyone's there yet. And so I've been actually racking my brain trying to figure out why that is. Well, everyone wants a silver bullet. Of course they do. And nobody wants to spend any money to get to those learnings, which I understand. But I also think it's because people don't view creator marketing as a distinct channel. They see it as a support for organic social, a support for paid social, so on and so forth. So they kind of understand the concept of testing when it comes to their core channels. But creators being a piece of that just doesn't seem to be people's first thought. That's interesting. Yeah. And so for me, I mean, we've been doing this eight years. We've worked with tens of thousands of brands at this point. And consistently, every single brand that finds success over the long run, not just a one-hit wonder, but over time, it's because they have this experimental mindset. And so I thought, what better time than this podcast to break down what a testing mindset actually looks like in practice, and maybe even give some tips on what I would test if I was spending my own money. Let's do it. So should we just run through the different things that we talked about? Like, Profile type testing, content type testing, and placements. Yeah, let's do it. And I think it's kind of funny because my mind just views everything in terms of a timeline. So these tests that we'll talk through come up sequentially. So the first thing you'll do is you'll look at your creator profiles and who you want to work with and then so on and so forth. Yeah, let's start there. Cool. So I'll start with most of the brands I speak with come in. And they know their target market, their customers who buy their, their products, the demographics, their psychographics, they've got that down pretty well. They come into creative marketing and they think, okay, I need a carbon copy of who my creator or my um, buyer persona is, and I just need hundreds of them. And the truth is, that's not always the best place to start. It's a lot better than going the celebrity route in many cases, because at least there's similarity between your, your ideal customer and the creators you work with. But it's hilarious to us 
time and time again, we have people launch wide net campaigns, right? They're casting that wide net. They're seeing which creators raise their hand and come back and want to work with them. And time and time again, they're surprised. And so we have one brand, they're called The Class. They're like a digital fitness studio. Their customers are health and fitness creators. So it makes perfect or health and fitness customers. And so it makes perfect sense that they would go for health and fitness creators. And it wasn't until their third campaign with us that they came back and they just opened up their targeting and they found out, oh my gosh, we have a huge influx of busy moms that just can't make it to the studio. They're not necessarily fitness fanatics, but they buy the subscription and they stick around. And so I think the best advice I can give to someone looking to test creator marketing is don't just go in assuming you know exactly who's going to be a good fit. You may be surprised with who else has a good value prop and resonates with your brand. I like that. Yeah. It kind of reminds me of like the trend on Facebook advertising too, where like when Facebook ads were first growing like crazy, everyone was doing like super narrow targeting based on exactly what they thought their customers were. And now the advice that a lot of agencies are operating under is like, go really broad, get rid of all those targeting rules, just go broad and learn from that. So yeah, I think I think that, that there's some nice parallels and some other channels that a lot of our listeners are are experimenting with now. I think you hit it bang on. The other thing is like you're not necessarily wasting money. You're not saying to an auto creator, please talk about my fitness brand. The way these brands are doing it is they're seeing who comes to them. And then yeah, it's free learning at that point. So anyways, I agree with you. I think Facebook is probably, or Meta at this point, is probably a good indicator that testing creators the same way. It's a good strategy. Yeah. I also like that you're saying go wide and see who comes to you. Because if someone's looking at, you know, a gig, I don't know what these things are called, but what do, what do you call it? Like, like a campaign? Yeah. If someone's looking at a description for a, a campaign around creators and they're raising their hand, even though they're not a fitness guru, like your example from the class, like clearly that's something that is going to be natural for them to talk about. You know what I mean? So they can do it in their own words, uh, speaking to their own audience. I think that's a good, good tip. So, so go broad, even if you know exactly who your customer is on the profile type. And then what, just based on the results, then you can tighten the belt a little bit on who's a good creator profile for you. 100%. That's like the number one thing I want to drill home is we're not asking you or proposing that you spend money where it doesn't make sense. The intention here is spend a little bit money of money to learn what works for you and then pay attention to two things. Number one is all of your top of funnel metrics. So if you're posting organically, pay attention to who's actually engaging with that creator's content. You might actually be surprised who starts engaging with your own content at the same time. It might be these newer profiles that never would have happened upon your page otherwise. And then if you're doing any amplification when it comes to paid ads, pay attention to the bottom of the funnel. The numbers won't lie. And if you're generating sales, it's worth doubling down on. So I definitely think paying attention to the results is what will inform future campaigns. Nice. And then you, you're selecting, you're going broad on profile type. What about content? Oh my goodness. This is hilarious to me because Everyone thinks they're an expert on TikTok just because they spend a couple hours a day on it. I probably fall into that camp as well. But I just think it's so interesting testing different themes of content. So one thing I just want to define super quickly is there are themes of content and then there are content 
formats. It's actually mean two different things. So content formats are, you know, stories, carousels, photos, the, the actual format of the content, for lack of a better word. And then themes are like, what's the content, the nature of the content? What's the content about? Yeah. What story are you telling? That type of thing. And so... I don't think it's any surprise that I'm going to say I optimize towards video in probably 75% of circumstances. And then even within video, you look at the different content themes and the possibilities are endless and the trends are always changing, which should be so exciting for these brands that you have a way to kind of cut through the noise as long as you're willing to act quickly. So I'll just tell you one example of a story where this really came to life is a company we work with called Truvani. They're a clean ingredient supplement brand. They came in, they wanted people talking about their products and that was it. And we kind of expanded their thinking a little bit where we tested things like day in the life videos, right? So what I eat in the day, how I prepare all my meals, recipe content, product reviews. We even tried really aesthetic product shots in like beautiful kitchens with nice ingredients and stuff like that. And even some of my personal favorites are competitive comparison videos. So sampling, you know, six different brands of the same product, giving your feedback, that type of thing. And the recipe videos absolutely took off. So if we had stuck to just, hey, here's the natural ingredients in this product, they never would have caught on and gone viral the way they did with the recipe content. That's so interesting. And that's a, a great learning because those those recipe content, that's stuff that you can repurpose. Yeah. In other ways. I, I like that. I mean, all of those would be, but yeah, it's it's interesting to to even think of like how broad you can get on what the actual content includes. And like do creators mind when you have specific asks of them of like, hey, we want one of this type, one of this type, or like is that part of the repertoire? <laughs> kind of depends if you're not paying them and you make a bunch of demands. Like I even have a friend, she has a few thousand followers and she got sent this protein powder and they sent her a three page document of all the words she had to say, her no-go words, the lighting they wanted, the other products they wanted in the shot, which meant she had to go purchase these other things. And she's like, I'm not fulfilling this. There's no way that the juice is worth the squeeze. However, as you become more sophisticated in your approach and you start working with content creators where you're paying for those collaborations, these creators thrive on structure. And so they're already the ones thinking of all these different concepts. If you can tell one, hey, I want you to focus on these three types of videos, tell another to do a different three, like, you know, content themes to test, for example, you're going to get a lot of learnings and you're going to have ideally what becomes a very strong relationship with these creators. Yeah. And if they're consistent across creators and you've got like three or four, maybe five, like Truvani, examples of content types and you structure it, you're actually going to be able to understand over time, how is this content type performing? Like, like in your case, the uh, recipe content versus the aesthetic images across multiple creators. I, I like that. Cool. And then you, you kind of were getting into it on the, uh, I don't know if you call them placement types or content location or something. But yeah, let's get into that too, because I think that's interesting. Yeah, placements are really interesting because most people running Meta ads just have Meta do all of the placements for them and choose where ads show up. And so one thing we recommend here is with creator content in general, to step back and to think about why you're investing in UGC in the first place. And the truth is it's because it looks 
like it's meant to be there. As someone's scrolling their feed on Instagram, it looks like it's meant to be there or their their for you page on TikTok. Same thing with stories and explore pages, so on and so forth. So we highly recommend sticking to the places where your customer is organically scrolling because that's the nature of the content. There are some tips and tricks, for example, like if you're doing a story ad, you're probably going to want video content for that. We find that the more raw and unpolished and unedited the video content, the better it performs in the story placement. We also find that personal anecdotes perform really well in story placements. Anytime you're either educational or funny, you're probably going to do a better job in stories just like you would on TikTok. Whereas the feed on Instagram specifically tends to be a lot more polished, right? That's the big difference between TikTok and Instagram in the first place. And so if that's the case, that might be the place to post some static imagery or maybe even to experiment with carousels and long captions for storytelling, things like that. And then really the goal with TikTok, that placement is just to have fun with your content and let creators kind of run free. It seems to be a little bit more like the Wild West, but when it hits, it hits big. Yeah. So what's the difference in your mind between like a reel and a story in terms of types of content or quality of content? Yeah, it's a great question. So reels need to be engaging right from the start right? If you want someone to actually watch the video, you need to have that hook. It needs to have the music playing. It needs to have the text overlay. It needs to look a lot more polished because it belongs on Instagram reels. Whereas stories are meant to look like you just pulled your phone up and you're talking off the cuff. And so, yeah, depending on the creator and where their audience engages with them should probably inform where you invest in that creator. Yeah. And I guess, I mean, when you're building that relationship with the creator, I mean, they know they've done this time and time again, where their audience engages, right? And so if they, if they're standing there telling you, hey, all of my engagement is in my story, focus there. Sometimes we, like as a brand owner, you have a vision of what you're trying to accomplish. And so you kind of want it done your way. When in reality, part of the experimentation of a channel like this is to lean on the learnings of these people and their existing audiences. Yeah, I totally agree. And like when I say cast a wide net back to the creator profile section, yes, it means test with a handful of creators in any given campaign. But if you're getting a couple different types of content from each of those creators, the best way to learn is to throw them in ads. You control the reach or the distribution of that content. And then for tens of dollars, hundreds of dollars, very, very minimal cost to test, you're collecting enough data to make informed decisions for your next campaign. And so, again, I'm just going to hammer this home a third time. I'm not asking you to give away the farm to try to get these learnings. It could be a couple hundred dollars. And if that makes your second campaign twice as effective, that's money well spent. Yeah, I like it. You give some good examples today. You mentioned the class. You mentioned the Truvani one. There was one more that you wanted to cover, right? I think it was Liverpool. Oh, yes, yes, yes. If you're looking at, okay, all this experimental testing, where is it going? 
What's the end result that we're after? Liverpool Jeans is a clothing company we work with. And I love to tell this story because they invested in the experimentation early on. The end result is a content template. So now they know exactly the types of creators aesthetically that perform well for them. They know that outdoor content, full body shots with people talking about how they styled the the content as they're walking up the sidewalk or in front of their house performs really well. Sounds like it's very cookie cutter, but it works for them. And until the ads stop performing, they're going to keep doubling down on it. And so my goal for everybody with this experimental mindset, again, is not to waste money on what doesn't work, but it's to find this template and to go as hard as they can. And so Liverpool, I like that, right? Like they went really broad. They realized that a bunch of it didn't work. Some of it did. They looked at it. It was this template of the creator outside full body shot, whatever you said. And so now there are they they're actually handing that template in their campaigns to all the other new creators they're doing? Ben, it's so simple because they literally just linked the content. That's it. And they're like, hey, make your version of this. And all these creators go in and put their spin on it. They style it slightly differently. They use their own language. And even though the core fundamentals of the content remains the same, so it performs and ads really well, creators still feel like they have the flexibility to make it their own. It's great. I like this, Kelsey, really good stuff. We wanted to do this episode today because people are still getting involved with with creators and new to the channel. So good tips, start experimenting. Next month, Kelsey's coming back on. We're actually gonna do a specific episode on how to use creators to prep for Black Friday, Cyber Monday. So hopefully you've got a little bit of time between now and then to get some learnings and we'll come back and talk about BFCM. So Kelsey, thanks for coming on. Thanks for having me.